You know our slogan around here is better practice, better life. But we're taking this belief to the next level. And we've recently announced the creation of a new association. It's called the Best Practices Association. Our association celebrates the mindset that is better practice, better life. This mindset celebrates time, healthy living, personal growth, clinical excellence, and impacting the lives of your patients and your team through intentional leadership. In fact, we are the work-life balance experts in dentistry. The BPA will coach independent dental practices like yours to thrive by sharing best practices and operational habits, behaviors, systems, tools, and insight that lead to profitability and sustained growth, and you can still have a life. So if you're a dentist that wants to surround yourself with great thinkers, let us help you create your own version of Better Practice, Better Life. Go to actdental.com forward slash BPA or hit the link in the show notes. Yo, yo, yo. Hey guys, welcome back to another awesome edition of the Best Practices Show podcast. My name is Kirk Barrett and I am absolutely loving this. So thank you guys for showing up. Just love it, love it, love it. And I have a job to bring you great educators, keep you on your toes of great information on the horizon or happening right now in dentistry. And today I bring in one of my mentors, Dr. Steve Carsonson, who is a brilliant thinker, great teacher. And as you're going to see, he's a fierce advocate for helping people breathe better and helping dentists position themselves better than ever to make people healthy. You are going to love this episode because today we talk about how you can expand your thinking beyond the dental cavity if you're a dentist. So make sure you check it out and we'll see you soon. Hey guys, welcome back to the Best Practices Show podcast. I get the great job of having a lot of fun. Uh, bringing you guys great information to give you some things to think about in dentistry. And this profession is incredibly noble. And there's so many cool people out there. And I'm going to introduce you, but you guys have already met one of my great friends in dentistry, Steve Carstensen. And we're going to be talking about a very hot topic going on in dentistry, which is how do we expand your thinking beyond the dental cavity as a dentist? So, Steve, thanks for being on, buddy. I appreciate it. Oh man, so always fun to, to sit and talk with you, Kurt. Yeah, and in full of great things to bring this message, all these messages out. I was scrolling through the list of speakers, and I'm thinking, okay, why do I belong here? And I'm just just all the incredible people you talk to. So thanks for inviting me. Stop, stop, stop! Yeah. You're, you're such a great guy, and you know you you're gracious to step away from it. You, you know you're out there speaking, spreading the good yeah. word, and you're taking a break at a conference. And I'm like, oh my gosh! All right, cool, and. um you're going to be here in Milwaukee next week, which I'm so excited about. But you have been one of those people. You're always on the cusp of like the most exciting thing in dentistry or things heading in dentistry. And today we're going to be talking about expanding your thinking beyond the dental cavity. Right. Let's go there, buddy. So first of all, tell everybody, I always like to do a little bio on who we're listening to, but who is Dr. Steve Carsonson? Give us a little bio. Well, I'm, I'm several things. I, I'm a clinician. I see patients in Bellevue. I, all I do is treat breathing and airway support. 
So I, I help adults with airway support with oral appliances. I teach breathing coaching. I help them with, you know, side effects like TMD issues and facial pain issues. But mostly it's, it's breathing and airway support in my clinic. And then, of course, I'm editor-in-chief of Dental Sleep Practice Magazine, uh, so I can help get uh, other people's words out, just like you do, only mine's in print. And then I teach everywhere. I teach at Panky, I teach at Spear, I teach at Louisiana State University and many, many conferences around. And I, I tell you, a real exciting thing I'm doing is Dania Tamimi. I don't know if she's been a guest of yours. But no. She's a predominant uh radiologist, uh, maxillofacial radiologist out of Orlando. She's, she's incredible. And she's one of your upcoming guests, Kirk, I guarantee you she should be. Well, I, she asked me to write chapters, help cha write chapters about sleep apnea for her upcoming second edition of Specialty Imaging Temporal Mandibular Joint uh, Textbook. And so I'm busy writing that too. So, so there's a lot of things I do. Yeah. Wow. And, and, I organize conferences. It's it's I'm I'm a uh, my coach calls me a fierce advocate, and and that's the the coolest uh, adjective I can I can label I can put on myself. So I didn't make it up, but I I'll, I embrace it. I'm a fierce advocate. Yeah, and I think that's very well labeled. Like that is a great label, great name for you. And uh, I have to ask you too, you know, because you and I have, we've done this many times. Where did the passion for this part of dentistry come from? Like what was, what, where did it come from? I mean, you've got a lot of passions. One of the things I'm going to do is follow you for a week and figure out how the heck you get so much done. But like, how did you get a passion for doing this in dentistry? You know, that's a great question. And I think that we'll have to trace it back to, to the, my mentors at, at the Panky Institute, Kirk, because when I, when I went down there as a dentist, there's a regular restorative dentist. And I, I wanted to not be a, average dentist, where, where can I go? And I ran into passionate people who said, well, Panky's for you. So I went down there and I met Dr. Panky, actually, but more, more importantly, actually, is a bunch of other people who had taken that message and made it real in their own practices. And I watched what they were able to do. And it wasn't always about how, what they could do with their fingers. It was about their mission to make sure that the people around them were better. Mm -hmm. And the people around them were able to use all of the skills and talents that they had to make their practice better. So you see the, the explosion of the, of the knowledge, explosion of the skills, explosion of the attitude from individuals to more individuals to more individuals to more community health. Then my major mentor, Dr. Keith Thornton, uh, said, you know, talked to me about sleep apnea and stuff. And I, I looked at that now as I used that kind of thinking to wonder what we could do as dentists and realizing how um, over the years, how poorly medicine has really addressed this issue and how many people are affected and how few actual uh, healthcare providers address this, then I thought, well, that's, that's going to be my mission. And it's professionally really challenging. I love thinking about physiology and how things work. And, and so, again, be expanding beyond the oral cavity. Uh, I got a story to tell you about that from my conference right now. But, but expanding beyond the oral cavity and thinking about how what we do can affect all of physiology now, it just became easy for me to, to see, wow, this is incredible. And then looking around at what can I do to help? I'm a teacher. I've been a teacher a long time, but but the American Dental Association needed somebody to prod them along. And I guess I'm that guy. Mm -hmm. You are <laughs> that guy. You are that guy. And I'm going to kind of lead you with this question. But do you think that anyone is better positioned to help 
people be healthy more than a dentist now? You know, I'm biased, but I want to know what your thoughts are. Well, let's just think about the, the I'll, I'll start with my narrow field of breathing. Well, as we think about how that happens through the nose, through the mouth, especially through the nose, who is the, who's the physician of the oral cavity? So my, thank you for asking me. I got my, it bleeds right into my little story. <laughs> I'm sitting at a table at, a, at my conference here, and this conference is uh, put on, uh, it's about metabolism. Yesterday, we talked about uh, diet and nutrition. Today, we're talking about the gut. Tomorrow, we're talking about brains. And it's about how diet and nutrition affect all that. Well, the Teresa, the intensive care physician at our table, was talking to us about how in the era of COVID, people would come in with masks on, of course. And they were seeing physicians about, you know, different problems. And because of COVID, they didn't know what to do back then. And so they said, well, just leave your mask on. And so through the whole time of seeing patients with COVID, she said, we left their masks on. So we didn't see the oral cavity or the nose. And then as they, as the mask requirements are getting a little bit more, uh, less restrictive, the physicians in our group realized, oh, I guess we didn't miss that much. So they're leaving masks. So they're further ignoring the oral cavity. Mm -hmm. And I, I, Susan Maples and I were sitting there looking at that, uh, listening to that story going, oh my gosh, you guys really do ignore the oral cavity. Right. And so, so they need us to do something. Well, uh, if we think about my area of, sleep and breathing. And uh, uh, there's oh, a few thousand sleep physicians that are diagnosing sleep disorders. Well, they don't think about breathing disorders, what people are, are not doing to breathe properly. There's 190,000 dentists, 160,000 members of the ADA. And so if we can help those dentists uh, pay attention to what's happening in areas covered by the mask, noses and mouths, then we can expand the, the view of so many people and communities about the importance of breathing well. Yeah. And so one, one silver line that may come out of this COVID thing is where people are paying attention to how their noses work. And I, I love it. Yeah. And next week you're going to be talking about how the noses work. Wait, you're a dentist and you're at a conference where we're not talking about aesthetics and occlusion and translucency. It's fascinating. <laughs> and I would also, I'm going to lead you with this one. This is not like a small topic anymore. This is a big topic, and this is not going away anytime soon. Would you agree? I would. And, and you know, many years ago when Keith started talking to me and, and other people were doing this, it was dental sleep medicine because it was all about sleep. It was all about what happens during sleep. And so dentists came along to support the jaw forward to keep the airway open because of sleep issues. But what we're learning about much more than that is sleep is a side effect. And people who don't sleep well, they don't sleep well because they don't breathe well. And if we allow the body to breathe well at any age, then the body will take care of its own sleeping problems. If we can, and the more we address this early in life, the better the physiology goes on through the life. You know, mm -hmm. I treat 50 and 60 and 70 year olds in my uh, clinic. Well, those, all those people used to be five, six and seven, right? And so what if they, we could treat a three year old and do something about breathing when they're tiny well, maybe they don't become 50 and 60 and 70 year olds with massive problems. Right. And so, so one of the people I study with is Patrick McCown. He's been on your program, uh, the world's best breathing coach. And I don't know if he's talked about his new book. Can you see this? The yes. Breathing Cure. Yep. Man, what a, what a tremendous resource this is. It's huge. It's that mm -hmm. thick. So, so if you, if a dentist reads that, then next time they have a patient in a chair who says, oh, I can't use a rubber dam because I can't breathe through my nose. 
maybe there's a little deeper conversation that happens that helps them improve their physiology. Yeah, the importance of breathing and even breathing through your nose is so critical. So I was in a conference years ago and Jeff Rouse gave me some tape and he said, put this on your mouth tonight. And I was like, okay, am I going to wake up tomorrow? And even my wife was like, you're going to put that tape. I'm like, I'm going to do it. And I've been doing it ever since. And I'm telling you, it works. It really works breathing through your nose because, um, and you know, the palate is changing from different, you know, now I do have to ask you this. Is it really hard for you? to help dentists think beyond the dental cavity. Is it a challenge now? Oh yeah, but we don't do these things because they're easy. Uh, right. We do these things because they're hard and, and changing professions is, is a, you know, it's a big picture. It's, it's, a, it's a big ask. Well, fine, uh, it's, it'll take generations. I've got, I'm in it for the long game. Mm-hmm. You know, we have to be able to take dentists that are willing to listen and move them forward into embracing more and more things. I mean, we dentists have a long history of this. When they introduced high-speed handpieces, dentists who are so used to slow speeds said, "Oh, we're going to we're going to hurt people with those things." Well, find a low-speed handpiece now that's used for anything other than lab work. Right. When they introduced fluoride, you know, they said, "Well, you know, that's going to poison everybody." Well, find a dentist. Well, I guess you can find dentists who don't believe in that. But uh, but you know, when we think about the advances in our profession, everything is is built on the. Um, learning of a small group and then it expands into the rest of the profession. The ADA passed a policy statement a few years ago that supports all of everything that we're doing. So we're, and we're expanding on that as we go on forward too. Yeah. Yeah. And you're a great colleague of ours, great friend of ours. It's always letting us know what's happening on that level. And uh, you know, and you can see it go into all these different areas and people are now even starting to grieve, which typically happens on these levels. But if I'm a young dentist listening, Give us a, this is where we are on the map right now. Cause you've been doing this for a long time. You know, yeah. where are we at with this conversation in dentistry? Like, well, what we need to do is the young dentists can get started thinking about um, helping patients by doing a couple of things. They can uh, look for f- folks that they would otherwise think of making a night guard for super common uh, thing to do in dentistry. Somebody grinds their teeth. Somebody says, well, you know, I, I'm having this. We can see the evidence on a tooth. And in dental school, we're trained, well, these people need protection from themselves, so let's make them a night guard. Nobody should have a night guard without questions about their sleep and breathing while they sleep because it's so highly correlated, not causative, but correlated. So don't make any night guards without asking, do you snore? Do you breathe well at nighttime? Do you wake up refreshed? Those kind of screening questions you can find from a stop bang, for example. And you can look up stop bang if you're watching this. So uh, do those um, kind of easy questions and then think about the answers. One of the things to consider is when patients come back to you and they say, well, I can't wear a night guard. Why not? Well, it just doesn't feel comfortable. There's not very many reasons why a night guard should feel uncomfortable. I mean, in in panky training early on, they said, well, it's because you didn't have it fitted right, because you didn't have it adjusted right. So we'd spend a lot of time doing that. But what we really need is more curiosity. Why didn't it feel right? What's going wrong? And you'll discover a lot of patients who don't breathe well. Yeah. And when you start thinking about that, you can make a different appliance, make a, a simple oral appliance to j- bring their jaw forward and consider what the patients tell you. Just be curious. Be professionally curious. Read some books. There's lots of good books to read. Um, I mean, you know, I wrote a book. I wrote a clinician's handbook for dental sleep medicine with Dr. Ken Burley. I mean, I'm not here to pitch that book, but it's okay if you buy one. Um, <laughs> the, the, uh, 
So, so, uh, but, uh, but really it's about learning, you know, getting a knowledge base. Everybody that breathes should read Breath by James Nestor, another one of your guests you've had. Congratulations. But this book has made more difference for a lot of people. I was with James at a meeting with, uh, with Steve Lamberg a couple weeks ago, and person after person was going up and thanking him for raising the awareness uh, in the population. So what could a young dentist do? Buy a copy of Breath and put it in the reception room because people are going to have seen that. Right. And when they see that, they'll might go to the dentist and say, well, what should I think about that? I've heard of that book. Should I read it? I mean, I, or I read it. And what, what are you going to do to help me? I mean, it's just, it's just prompt the question, start the conversations and, and, when, and pay attention to what the answers are so that you can know where you're, you can identify where it is that you need to learn some more stuff. Yeah. And let me introduce the elephant in the room that happens for a lot of young dentists. Steve, I totally understand. Like I've been in these conferences. I can't disagree with any of it. But how the heck do I introduce that into my practice as a viable piece of it? You know, I'm sure yeah. you get those questions too, right? Well, the big bugaboo is how do I get paid for this? Right. And, and the, the two things that, that are troublesome getting paid for this is it's covered by medical insurance. And so most dental offices <clears throat> are not yet embracing medical insurance. That's another topic you can get somebody on to talk about. But you, there are services now that plenty of good services that can be used for dentists to be able to do medical billing in a, in a painless way. Sure, you pay for the service, but it allows you to do more things in your practice. So getting paid is not the biggest problem anymore that it used to be. The biggest thing is is comfort and confidence in what you're doing. And so taking courses like, um, uh, well, we, we do, Jeff, you mentioned Jeff Rouse. He does a really nice course. Now, he does, he's not a big fan of oral appliances, but but he has great uh, ideas about how to breathe well and how patients can, or dentists can introduce this. I teach courses at Louisiana State University, for example, and there's books and there's other very good teachers out there. So you can go take a course and, and see, okay, what's up with that? Um, I, this fall, I'm going to be launching some some in-office type of trainings and, and some study clubs and things like this. So there's always resources out there. Yeah. So the, the key is the dentist has to get curious and then, then train the team. Because in, in, in Washington State, I am legally obligated, Kirk, to do the exam, to ask the patient what their chief complaint is, and that's it. That's all I have to do legally to treat an oral to treat a patient with oral appliances. So what that means is, now that's not all I do, but a lot of team can take over this. And so team gets very excited about doing the, the steps involved in making an appliance, delivering the appliance, walking the patients through the side effects that need to be addressed, and then listening to their story of success. When they come back and say, man, this is incredible. I sleep so much better. My wife has allowed me to move back in the bedroom. I am awake while I'm driving. All the positives that come with this, it doesn't take very many of those if the team celebrates those victories together. So it's always important to de debrief the case and celebrate together when somebody comes in and says all these wonderful things, which happens a lot when you help people breathe better and support their airway. Yeah, 100%. And we had a small study club here uh, just yesterday, and they're so committed to that. And it's awesome. And they're young dentists. And they're crazy busy with this stuff. And so yeah. if you're listening going, oh, no one would come to my office. If You would be surprised by the number of people that really want to get healthy and breathe again. And they're looking for someone to help them breathe again. 
Yes, because people are paying attention to health these days. I mean, the COVID thing helped us focus on how do we make sure we're taking care of ourselves. So we're looking at that. I'm at this uh, conference here in Seattle about uh, metabolic health. And so how do you eat right and to, to help your gut and your brain and your and your whole body? So these things are going on. People are paying attention. People are wanting to find ways to to improve their overall health. And and as dentists are increasingly seen as part of the primary care network, not just the oral care network, but the primary care network, because we can see the results of bad health on the gums. We can listen to people's stories and say, well, you know, that could be because of allergies or maybe how are you breathing at night or you know, are you eating right? You know, are you having too much of this or that? We have so much work to do on the obesity problem. The, the talk this morning was about different diets, uh, low carb, keto diet, all these different things. And there's science behind how we can help people recognize where their diet plan should fall. Yeah. And it's not just one thing for everybody. Yeah. We can start asking questions. Yeah. And you're so passionate on the CE side of things. It's fun to watch you do this. And I also, you and I have had conversations. You're always pushing like the organized dentistry, getting people to play together. Um, And can you give us a state of the union? How are the dental and the medicine communities, are they getting closer? I mean, are they coming together on any level or not? I I wish I could give you a glowing report about that one, but no, I don't see much going on there mm-hmm. until we're going to force it. Now, the ADA is have as uh, we're going to have our fifth children's airway focused uh, CE event this uh, September, September 23 and 24. So they reached out and said, can you do another one? Five in a row now uh, with uh, about children's airway. And and I reached out to man, some incredible folks. Uh, Stanley Liu is a dentist and surgeon out of Stanford. He's, he leads the Stanford sleep department. He changed his schedule to come speak for the ADA in Chicago in, in there because it's so important. Eric Phelps is an orthodontist out of San Francisco. He can only come on Saturday because he's doing another course in another town on Friday, on Thursday. And so he has to travel Friday, but he's doing it so he can come talk to the ADA's children's airway. I mean, there's a lot of people lining up and Sharon Moore. Um, I don't know if she's been on your program. No, not at all. Darren Moore wrote uh, probably the world's best book about how to help families help their kids breathe better called Sleep Wreck Kids. And um, and she's coming all the way from Canberra, Australia to talk to us. And Shireen Lim is a uh, general practice dentist from Perth, Australia, who's also coming to talk to us. And she's going to talk about tongue ties and muscle function and dealing with little kids. So it's an amazing lineup. Just and these are the people that are trying to help out and the ADA supporting it. So our dentistry is going to take over little kids airway because it's not about breathing. I'm sorry. It's not about sleep. It's about breathing patterns. It's about jaw structure, growth and development. And only we can do that. Right. So pediatric dentists, interested dentists like your study club, uh, Dr. Graham in your study club and others are are really the the leading edge. And it's these young, passionate dentists that are to, for me, as, a, as an old, passionate dentist, I'm so excited to have these young dentists stepping up and going, wow, we got, we're doing it. We're making a difference. We don't care. We don't need 
the physicians to sign off on what we can do to help our patients. And that's, yeah. that's where it's going, Kurt. Yeah. And can you comment on this? Is it the chicken or the egg? You know, like we're, we're learning so much and you're passionate about, and there's also, it just seems like the children's sleep issues, are they getting worse? Like, so what's, is it a little bit of both? Like, it just seems like this is really becoming a very big conversation. So, so what's, what's driving this from your opinion? I guess my real underlying question in asking you that is our children's sleep issues, breathing issues, getting worse well we don't know nobody has any statistics about that uh because the medicine medicine has been focused on two things primarily one is sleep issues and they they framed that from their perspective of treating adults they learned about sleep issues by watching people uh, die in their sleep not breathing well in their sleep old guys old fat guys are in the original days then they realized it's not just old fat guys they have they have any adult but now, so they took those same rules and they applied them to four and five and seven year olds. And so they look for sleep problems. But what they, what medicine doesn't do very well is look for the reasons behind the symptoms that they're noticing. If you have a symptom, you get a pill. If you have a sleep problem, you get a, 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 a you get a sleep diagnosis. But the real reason is behind many things is the diet. It's, it's the growth and development. It's the patterns. It's the function of things. And so if we, if we can't, if we don't have a good airway structure, if our bones aren't in the right place to support the soft tissues, it can't function well. And ultimately it's the function of things. It's the function of respiration that allows the brain to have enough oxygen. So we train them to function well. Who's going to do that? Nobody does that. And so what we're doing is we're, we're helping get dentists involved, speech and language pathologists like Sharon Moore. And we're, we're doing more and more functional training. Well, again, who's going to do that? Our dental assistants can do that. Our dental hygienists can do that. Certainly our dentists can do that. And, and it's, it's so much more fun than doing another filling, you know? Right. And so dentists are excited about the, the expanding of their scope. Yeah, it's so fun to watch you guys expand the scope outside of the dental cavity, get oral surgeons involved now, uh, yeah. ENTs, orthodontics, more than ever people are enjoying this conversation. And even educators at school are starting to embrace this a little bit because, you know, um, people are just aware. And I think I'm going to go back to this. The curiosity thing is really important. From all the people I speak to, if there's one thing you could equip yourself with is obviously the education, but the ability to ask really good questions opens the door. You and I are both dear friends of Mark Murphy and like Murphy's just like, get good at the questions that matter. Don't worry about like figuring it all out. Start with the questions, right? You know, start with the questions, pay attention and bring your dental assistants into the room with you. So if you have a uh, an interview going on with a patient, you're curious about this, make sure your dental assistant is sitting there listening or your front desk, anybody on your team, not, they're not busy puttering away, doing all their necessary items. I'm not trying to minimize their work in the sterilization center, but uh, have them listen to the conversations. That way they can support the conversations when you step out of the room and learn together. So the team learns together. It's all new stuff. It's not learning another composite. It's learning a whole new way of engaging with your patients. And when they sense that, when the patients sense that, when they realize you're not there to try and sell them another filling, you're not trying to 
tell them they're being bad people because they don't brush the floss. You're, 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 you're sensing that you're really trying to help them get healthier. Now the patient engages with the office on a completely different level. Right. And when that happens, now they have a different thing to talk about. Uh, how was your checkup today? Well, you know, it's fine. My hygienist said I'm, I'm good. I should floss more. I mean, you don't want them saying that out in the community. You want them out there saying, you know what? They asked me about my breathing. And they, they told me my gums were, were uh, inflamed because I'm mouth breathing. And so I've got some strategies to be a better nose breather. And, you know, and, and so my lips won't be dry. And I mean, all the cool things that we can come up with, a different topic to spread the word in your community about your dental practice. Yeah, absolutely. And the benefits are multiple. Number one, dentistry becomes incredibly significant in people's lives. And if you really embrace this, Steve, I mean, at the end of the day, one of the conversations we always have with dentists is how do I get outside of the PPO thing? Well, the bottom line is this. People have to come to you because of something you're passionate about and you do it really, really well. And so that's one of the fun things I'm enjoying watching these young dentists get involved. They're like, it's crazy how many people drive to come yeah. see me because I'm passionate about that and I'll beat that drum forever. But uh, what do most people get wrong about this area in dentistry from your perspective? Maybe the simplistic aspect of it, you know, back to the night guard example, you know, they know how to make a night guard, so they make a night guard. And so that then, so they know if they see worn teeth, they're supposed to make a night guard. So they do. And that's pretty much what they do with it. And they ask about night guard use later on. If you, if you think it's simplistic enough that all you have to do is make a simple uh, jaw forward pulling device and that's it. Well, then that's not enough. And so they have to be a, we willing to go past fitting an appliance and onto assessing how people respond to it. So they have to be curious, they have to set aside time in their schedule, they have to be able to support that time with other work. So we can't have these things going into a practice, adding a new service, not supporting itself financially and, and causing the team success to go down because the dentist gets all passionate and spends an hour talking about breathing and doesn't get paid. Yeah. That's not a good plan. So what we have to be able to do is, is come up with a different way to support that. And it can be in the price of the oral appliance. So you recognize that you charge enough for the device that you can actually support some time to, to, uh, to provide the service. Another thing you can do is, is just make sure your business is set up correctly so that you can, in fact, uh, carve away a little time to spend on, you know, less revenue generating, but more satisfaction generating practice as part of marketing really remember if people go out and talk about the practice and they send more patients that benefits the office and so maybe you have to invest a couple hours a week into you know recognizing that you don't have to get a dollars per hour for everything that you do in the big picture of things yeah so you can't focus on on, on individual things like that another thing you can do is is you can be known as a different approach for uh, just by how you do some of your marketing. For example, uh, another favorite book, I brought a bunch of books. You might've known. I love that. it. I love it. But my friend, Susan Maples, who's talking right now, I'm here talking to you. So, and she's talking downstairs. She wrote this incredible, this brand new brave parent, raising healthy, happy kids against all odds in today's world. Well, what if you, if every new patient family in your family dental practice got a copy of brave parent, Love it. That's not about teeth and brushing. There isn't in there about teeth and brushing. It's about a bunch of other things. Why would you do that? You'd have to support that. And then they go out from their, their how was your new dentist? You know what? They didn't talk to me. They talked to me about 
tooth and brushing, but they also talked to me about whole person health. They gave me tools to help my kids become um, healthy, happy kids because I'm going to be a brave parent. It's just, uh, you know, it's, a, it's just different ways of thinking about how to support your practice, make it bigger, more exciting, more fun for your team, uh, and more of a name in your community is not just another dentist office. Yeah. If you guys are listening, you can see the fierce advocate come out. I love it. I absolutely love it. Hey, I, I'm just crazy curious. So you're an amazing educator. You're a dentist. You're coming to an awesome conference next week, and you're teaching on the nasal cavity. My curiosity yeah. is... What are, give us a little glimpse, like what are you going to be teaching about the nasal cavity next week? So you've heard from, you know, again, Jeff uh, Rouse, great guy, talks about nasal breathing, gave you lip tape. You told me about lip tape. That's a fantastic way to train habits. By the way, in my conference here yesterday, the physicians, well, there's three dentists in the room, me, uh, Susan Maples, Kevin Boyd, a bunch of physicians and others. They, they had me up on stage to ask a question, Q&A. The Q&A was? I've heard about this lip taping. What do you think? <laughs> and so I was like, so it's out there, right? right. And so, um, so what, what is it, what about this nose thing? So my talk next week is, yeah, we know we're supposed to breathe through our nose. But why? We know about nitric oxide, but what does that do? What is it about the nose besides the air conditioning part where it, you know, warms and humidifies it? What else does it do? I'll give you a little glimpse. Did you know that, uh, you know, of course, cranial nerve one is the olfactory nerve. We, we, we sense our environment by how it smells. Other animals do it more, more specifically. But that's our cranial nerve. In dental school, they taught me that's what it was. Cranial nerve one is about do you smell. You know what else is on cranial nerve one? Nerve signals to the limbic system, our amygdala, our hippocampus, our autonomic nervous system, our memory, our emotional centers all get signals through cranial nerve one when we breathe through our nose and they don't get signals when we don't breathe through our nose. Um, so we don't know yet why those signals are going to the limbic system, but we do know uncontrovertible evidence that it happens. So when people breathe through their mouth, their brains are not sensing the environment. That's going to make them less, most likely less able to manage their, their world and more responsive this way or that way. So we're gonna talk about nerve signals. The other thing is when you breathe through your mouth, when you're growing, then what happens is the, the mouth airflow changes the pressure inside your nose. And when you change the pressure inside your nose, the soft tissues expand. So why do tonsils and adenoids get big? It's because of negative pressure causing tissue damage. And, and we're gonna talk about mouth breathing as a, as a um, signal to the gut as well. So it's, it's, it's all kinds of cool things that happen when you breathe through your nose that don't happen when you breathe through your mouth. Wow. That's wild. That is wild. And it's really yeah. weird because um, my daughter had one of her friends had her tonsils taken out yesterday. And the surgeon said, those are the largest tonsils I've ever seen. And I've been doing this for a very long time. That's wild. That's crazy. So, so what if, if families, knew that their one and two year olds, we're not gonna get involved with treating one and two year olds. P pediatric dentists can do some stuff. But what if they knew that nose breathing was so critical? And so nose breathing in a two year old filters the air, gets rid of some of the allergens, properly uh, distributes the negative pressures of respiration. What if that means that tonsils and adenoids didn't even grow? 
wouldn't it be better to save the surgeries for later the, the later on? And then once they once the, the if they, we don't get to do that and the tissues grow anyway, now we get the ENTs to do something and unplug the airway so the cut the kid can grow can grow well as long as it's supervised well. What we're talking about here is is what Dan Heath calls upstream problems. So instead of dealing with things downstream, side effects and symptoms and things that medicine is trying to do something about with pills, we go upstream. We get problems solved before they happen. So it's a whole new way of thinking. And that's only dentistry. Only dentistry can do something about the growth and development of the cranial facial respiratory complex, knows all the bone structures that support the airway. We're the only part of medicine that can do anything about that. Yeah. It's so funny. Whenever you talk to a group of heart surgeons, that that's their number one complaint is that eradicating the world's number one disease is they're on the reactive and downstream. Like they spend yeah. so much time fixing what's already been broken instead of keeping bad things from happening. So yeah. I know dentists are, are, are very passionate and we've got a fierce advocate and you and I, I love everything you do. Now, I have so many questions and I'm going to have you back again and again and again. I want people to find out more about what you do. I want them to get your magazine. Um, where do I go if I've never heard you speak and I want to just get involved? What do I do? Well, dentalsleeppracticemagazine.com is, is the magazine. And, and we have a medical director in that now too, a medical editor. Lee Serkin. And so uh, I, I was, a, a, I founded the magazine. I went away for a couple of years. I came back when they hired a me chief medical editor. So we're all knitting things together as best we can. Dentalsleeppractice.com is good. My website is stevekarstensendds.com. You can see what I talk about there. Um, and I'm always expanding that one. And, um, and they tell me I'm on social media on Instagram and Facebook and all those other things. But yeah, honestly, Kirk, I don't, I don't have any, no idea. People tell me they like them, but thank you, Dylan Hearns. There you go. Just <laughs> leave me with that. Keep doing and, what you're doing. That, yeah, yeah. You know, I, I try and do this, right? And then uh, this fall at Collaboration Cures in, in uh, Phoenix in September 15th through 18th, we're going to bring together physicians and dentists and myofunctional therapists and speech and language pathologists and physical therapists functional medicine doctors and in phoenix those days um, pat mcbride and i are, are putting that meeting together for uh, collaboration cures and then the uh, ada's children's airway summit uh, uh september 23 and 24. those are our best upcoming options have a great summer and then come back and learn a ton of great stuff in late september yeah, that's awesome. That is awesome. Well, our uh, our writers are going to put all those links in there. So if you're listening to this podcast and you're wondering where do I find, just flip up to the show notes. You're going to see I'm going to put links to not only Steve's website, but all of these events down there and you can check them out. And I'm going to highly encourage you to check them out. You're going to see some incredible teachers that are super passionate and you no doubt just by hanging out with you will expand your thinking beyond the dental cavity. Steve, thanks for being on today, buddy. I appreciate it. Always a fun time. Thanks for inviting me. Oh, it's my pleasure. I had no idea that you were at a conference and you were carving out, to, like, seriously, dude, that's awesome. I appreciate you. And hopefully I can see you next week when you're here in Milwaukee. But uh, so cool. So stick around when I say goodbye to everybody else. But thank you guys for listening to the Best Practices Show podcast.
I love that you're showing up. And if you enjoy today, do us a favor, just hit the share button. Please check out what Steve is doing. I promise you, it'll excite you a lot about this topic and make you think really well of a great future in dentistry. So, uh, and then keep sending us things that you guys want to see. I'm getting a long list of them and I'm lining them all up as best I can. So get ready for that. And until we see you guys next time, keep watching the best practices show. You guys enjoy your day. So there you have it. Another great episode. Hope you guys enjoyed it. Hey, and thank you for showing up. I just want to thank you for being here and sharing the good word with your friends. And if you're really enjoying the podcast, could you do me a favor? Could you go to wherever you consume the podcast and just give us a four or five star review? Here's what that does. It allows us to find other great people like you. I love this profession so much. I'm going to spend the rest of my professional life finding great information so that you can consume it and your friends can consume it so that you can create a better practice and a better life. So keep spreading the word and we will see you guys soon. Have a great day, everybody.